This podcast is brought to you by Dayquil. Generic Dayquil. <laughs> I was wondering if you're drinking a hot toddy or if it was just tea. No, it's just tea. Okay. Tea mixed with a little generic Dayquil and just a touch of absinthe. Okay. So this 52nd episode is going okay. to get interesting very quickly. Welcome to the 52nd episode. Just like the year, the year episode. I was getting to that. Oh, okay. All right. Welcome to the 52nd episode <laughs> of the Just Jiu Jitsu podcast. That means we put one out every week. You know what that means if we put 52 out every week? It's been a year. There you go. Sorry, I stole your thunder. That's okay. It's all right. This, there's a lot of thunder to be had in this episode. It's a thunderstorm episode. And Okay. Yeah, we, we are Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I'm Andrew Desimone with... Croyler Gracie. See, we're already off to a good start. We are. You're, yeah, that was good. That's good. You didn't have to remind me? No, no. I feel like maybe... Oh, we should have dressed up for this. I am dressed up for this. <laughs> you're, wearing a, you're wearing a t-shirt with your name on it and gi pants. Yeah. That's, that's just your usual... Attire, yeah, I know. That's what you got married in. No, I actually dressed up for my wedding. Well, so th- for this special episode, I mean, y- 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 what do you do? What do you do on the year anniversary? <laughs> we could do, I wish we could do like a 90s sitcom when they would have a look back episode oh. where everyone would just be sitting around and go, you remember that one time when Uncle Jesse did this and then you cut to like a clip from a previous episode? Yeah. It'd be nice if we could just do that. Like, oh boy, Croyler, do you remember when I asked you this? <laughs> Sound effect. I mean, technically, you, you could do that. <laughs> You're right. It's not impossible to do that. <laughs> the technology does exist. Yes. The uh, <coughs> apologies for coughing. It's going to happen a lot through this episode, so just get used to it, people. He's dying. I am dying, and <laughs> I just wanted to make it one year into this into this show, and I accomplished everything that I needed to. Um, <laughs> speaking of accomplishing things, have we fulfilled? This should be a reflective podcast. Have we fulfilled our promises to our listeners? I mean, I, I'd like to think so. Let's just kind of go through a few the promises and just kind of do oh my a, God. a progress report <laughs> on where we stand. Uh, okay. Let's see. Starting off, we have the Croiler Gracie Challenge. Oh. That, I mean, I think that was from like episode one or two. Where, oh, that's the one that I denied where you like, said, in episode like, one or two. <laughs> yeah, where, where you said anyone who listens to this for, I think it was 30 days and can't tap the black belt at their school, call me. I will come tap them. I think I don't think I endorsed that one. And we're, man, we did, we failed on that one. You, you're still, <laughs> to this day, don't own up to that and don't, you, I'm trying to hold you accountable. I, I didn't, I didn't endorse that. What if by some legal loophole, we got a call from like a lawyer who said, hi, I'm representing Stephen uh, Butterfeather. And he was complaining that you never came and tapped his black belt. By law in Texas, you are required to come do this. Yeah, but I'm not in Texas. Well, but you're you're held by your podcast aired in Texas, and I I think this is how law works. Oh, your podcast <laughs> aired in Texas. You are required to follow Texas law. See, I would have point. to be I would have to be a savage as the Brazilian black belt. Have you heard about this? They went to court. No. So I think I think he was like late late last year. I think August, September, October, somewhere on there. Um, and I'm not kidding. This really did happen. This guy was training at the school, got his blue belt, kept training, kept training, kept training, kept training. His teammates that started after he did got their blue belts, got one stripe, two stripe, three stripe, purple belts. He remained a blue belt. And then they went purple one and two and three and they got their brown belt. And he's still a blue belt. And uh, he actually sued his uh, his coach for emotional damage and uh, said, you know, that it wasn't fair how he was treated. It was either a racial bias or some sort of bias. Or if it wasn't any of those things, then it was just cruel and mean and, and sued him for emotional damages. Now, here's the savagery of this black belt. Because okay. he had to testify. This went to court. Shows up, and I'm not shitting you. There's pictures of it in with black pants, black dress pants. A purple button-up with a purple tie. 
<laughs> okay, let's let's get back to evaluating ourselves. We, we really have to put ourselves under the microscope. And anyone listening right now, this episode is going to be a very loose and relaxed episode. I told you what to prepare for, right, before coming? No, he literally said, it's a surprise. It's a surprise. <laughs> that's, that's the only text message I got. Yeah. So let's look at the next thing. The comptroller video yes. system. I have to take responsibility on this one. That is my baby. I talked a big game when we started out. I mentioned that it was a whole system I put in play. You actually used it live. There's footage of That's you using true. it live. I used it live. Uh, you could look up if you Googled Deathmatch, Grappling Dads, Just Jiu-Jitsu. It should come up, and you'll see Paul Perot from Grappling Dads and me and we have a deathmatch. It's obviously not technically a deathmatch because I'm still here standing. And you have to turn the volume up because the moment that Andrew executes a controller, he does, in fact, does the... That is very true. To it's, the back of Paul's neck. It is. So, yeah, go back to those early episodes to listen. But I do have to say I, I let everyone down when I have not produced anything yet. I, I started filming. I've been working with a production company. Uh, we put a lot, a lot of money into this. Spent many hours. They came to the gym. We had to, we had to tear the mats off because we just had to like bring these big cameras on dollies through. We had to bring like big heat, like lights in that were so hot that they started to melt like the the pads that we were rolling on. You had a lot of repairs that you had to put into that gym. Yeah, that, that cost me a lot, and you still haven't put them out. I, I haven't. I, I promised you I'd pay you back with the profit from the comptroller system, and it hasn't happened yet, but it. It will. It's coming, you guys. It's just in the works. I'm, it's expensive to put stuff onto VHS format, so I'm looking into maybe doing it through just purely Snapchat, uh, maybe a Snapchat system. Has anyone done that yet? A jujitsu no. video instructional via Snapchat? No, I don't think so. Okay, so look look for that this year. That that should be coming soon. <laughs> somebody's gonna do it now. If not you, somebody's gonna go. That's genius. Don't don't do it. I've or else you will be that jujitsu person who's in court Soon. with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. We'll look at one more thing. And again, I I think it's important to be very critical of oneself. And so again, I look inwards and I say my greatest failure has been not getting you to freestyle once in this that, whole year. That's never gonna happen. I know what a lot of people told Michael Jackson he would never be the best. A lot of people told Abraham Lincoln he'd never wear a tall black hat. And a lot of people told Bradley Cooper he'd never be in The Hangover. I, I feel like you're telling me these things, but... I'm really pushing you forward, is what you're saying? You are inspiring. Like yeah. You. yeah, okay. Yeah, so there will be a day where, where you do freestyle. And dear audience, it's all for you. I'm doing it for you. And... <laughs> We both can just revel in the glory of that freestyle one day. And I hope that when you do freestyle, it's a very, you have like a very screechy high voice. Like, hey, my name is Cornler and I'm here. It, like, it just like. It's completely different. Out. Yeah. Okay. So those are, those are the failures, but we've had some successes. I think more, I think it's largely all been success, but that's okay. You are the glass half full kind of guy. I'm the, there is a glass kind of guy. There is a glass kind of guy. <laughs> I'd say one of the one of the ones is we have more than ten listeners. I, I yeah, which is good because I knew we'd have. I mean, at, we're we're like at twelve, so yeah, and I knew we'd have at least four or five like with 20, my family. It's like twenty percent more than what we thought. I knew my family would get us a few. I knew that your friends and family would get us a few, and we can be proud about the listeners we have. The other thing we can be proud about is getting you to acknowledge a talking sword. And talk to that sort of show. <laughs> uh, I may not have gotten you to freestyle, but I have gotten you in a situation where you're talking to a sword. Yeah. 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 That's we, a failure for me. Uh, <laughs> you want to put that on the failure list for you? For me, yeah. I mean, like that's like a that's like a perspective thing. Right, but with that failure, you've <laughs> you've killed a lot of bad people. I have. All of them, in fact. You have. And so I think it's a good thing to just, you've learned through this show, it's good to be outside your comfort zone and do things that you, you just don't necessarily feel natural doing, but eventually say, thank you, Andrew. I'm really, I'm really happy that, that we did that. Thank you, Andrew. You wrote me the nicest thank you card after we played one of those D&D &D sessions once. <laughs> I did? You did. You, you said, 
I for so long have been self-conscious about playing uh-huh. uh, and improvising, but this, this, I don't, I don't remember that. Oh, uh, did you take an Ambien and write me a letter again? <laughs> again? again? Oh boy. Every, about once every couple months, I just get a letter in the mail and so, it is off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. From Croiler. They get creepy and like. You know, put like a dirty sock in it or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a, a, a like an anthology, all of your letters, and they'll be called the Croiler, uh, the Ambient Chronicles. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Let's see. Anything else? Uh, successes? No, we've had no other successes. No, I'm happy with with what we've we've had the last year because we I enjoy doing this and we've been getting a lot of cool emails from people yep. and it's fun to kind of communicate with fans. Yeah, and we've we've created it. You know, we figured a structure out for the show. You know, we have you know, different different types of episodes and they're all categorized in in such a way. I think there's enough variety of what we do. Let's look at wishes, goals for next year. Here's here's one. Maybe we have a live interview with someone. Could Wouldn't be that be wild? That could be cool. I don't think it's been done on a podcast yet. Uh, I, I think we're innovators at that point. Pioneers. People are going to hear this and think, oh my God, you they're, can bring other people onto your podcast. They're living in like 2035. Yeah. It, we'll bring them and we may... Maybe 2020 will be the year of the third mic. Where, where, where we get a third mic or yeah. even a fourth mic and we can have oh dang maybe we could even invite the grappling dads here I don't want to get ahead of ourselves um, I mean, do we really want them here I mean we're trying to elevate the show okay you know what and that leads me to our next goal for for the year to bury the grappling dads <laughs> I mean we haven't already I still see episodes coming out from those guys and oh. I just don't know why I, I feel like we've thrown the gauntlet we, we've thrown it hard enough at them that they should just be beaten to the ground and just accept that defeat. You know, it's like you, you can you can do a lot of things. Like you can take pills to feel happy. You can take have surgery to fix an imperfection in your body. Um, you can't fix stupid. You can't even beat stupid out of people. It, it's, it's rough. No. Now, another goal I'd like is to kind of restart the sponsorship from Paul Elliott. Uh, our, our black we, belt friend. You know what? We st- we haven't gotten wine since then. No, um, Paul is a a friend and a great jujitsu instructor practitioner. Makes his own wine, but as far as a sponsor, he's pretty lousy. Yeah, I mean, we agreed to all his terms. We did. Yeah, he gave us three terms. We met all terms, and I have not yet gotten any wine. Yeah, and I don't want to threaten legal trouble, but I, I think I could find that that email and. And prove very thoroughly in court that we lived up to our end of the bargain, yet here we sit very sober. Yeah. I'm not too sober. I've had quite a bit of Dayquil. <laughs> Generic Dayquil. Now, the next thing is I want to become the number one sex advice slash jujitsu podcast on wow. Apple iTunes. That took a completely different turn. <laughs> well, we've been talking about this for a while. No, we, we, we I, we, you and I have spitballed some different directions to take the show, and I we, think we have not. <laughs> and and we both thought, what is missing from the jujitsu podcasts out there? <laughs> yeah. There is no sex advice. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's a good idea. <sighs> and it's unconventional. That's what they're gonna say. But when they when we marry those two topics together, oh my, it's yeah. going to be very very lucrative. Yeah. I don't think so. How about we, we make money doing what we're currently doing, and then we look like to, to expanding different areas. Okay. So you want to start a separate sex column or sex advice All I'm saying is uh, let's, see, let's see where this goes first. You want to do it on your own. You don't want me. Okay. No. I, I can appreciate that you're <laughs> independent. literally not what I said. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll continue to spitball that one and figure it out. And then lastly for next year, I want you and Aladriel to grow closer and to start appreciate her, you to appreciate her for the loyal companion she is. If people just listening, that's when we play some, some role-playing at the end of some episodes. It's Croiler's loyal sword who is a has a, a personality, is an entity in and of herself. So you're just looking at me. You're not giving me anything. Oh, am I supposed to give you something? Well, how do you feel about it? Do you, do you feel do you, you feel like you've gotten closer with her since we've started no. playing? But she's won you over a bit because she's very proficient. She's good at what she's meant to she's do. She's very good. At what she's very efficient, but no. But you're not taking advantage of like the other aspect, and that's her just being a very 
supportive and friendly person. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do that. That's okay. Okay, so for this episode, you insisted we do something very special. You kept texting me and saying, Andrew, I want this to be big. I like how we talked about how I did not know what was happening in this episode. And then here you were talking about how I insisted. Listen, don't weigh the, don't, Keep your story straight. Don't weigh the listeners down with the details, all right? They don't care about the behind-the-scenes stuff. You insisted, let's do this special. And so special I have done. Let's. I want to I have a segment here where we do scenarios, jujitsu okay. scenarios. And... We can use those, hopefully, to help people learn and maybe... I have a feeling that these scenarios are not going to be good. Hey, I, I understand that. Um, <laughs> no, no, no denying it. Okay. No, no, because I've, I have a track record of kind of taking you into, into waters that you're a little <laughs> uncomfortable in. So, so fair enough. We'll just go scenario one. Um, we're going to stay like first day of jujitsu. Okay. Someone's walking into a school. This is scary for a lot of people. Okay. They don't know anyone they don't have any grappling experience right it's the toughest part usually it's just like getting out of the car i remember like pulling up and just thinking okay i want to do this but i'm gonna walk in here and i'm gonna see a bunch of big jacked dudes who are going to probably want to rip my head off and they're gonna be mean to me they're gonna bully me they're going to take my lunch and they're going to throw it at me. They're going to put me in a locker. I'm sorry. Hold on. I slipped into. I was going to say. I, I, I like had some flashbacks. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, all right. So someone gets out of the car. They walk into gym, into the gym. There are a ton of people there. How do you jump in to a gym that is new and you see existing friendships? And some places like ours, it's easy. People absorb you and talk to you and are nice. What do you do when you walk into a gym and it's just kind of... It's tough to butt in. You're just sitting on the side watching people. You say just keep your head down, wait wait for class to start and do your thing? I mean, it's tough. You know, um, the reality is most schools are not like ours. You know, most schools, you are right. Somebody comes in, they don't really know anyone. There's all these friendships that are already there, and nobody necessarily wants to go out of their way to talk to you, you know. Um, sometimes it could even be that the students that are already there have already lost faith in you coming in. They may think you're just another white belt that isn't going to last, you know, so it, it can be very difficult. Like I said, and that's probably the most common thing in, in, in most jiu-jitsu schools. I think that's part of the problem with retention in jiu-jitsu is how comfortable and welcomed a new student feels. So, what do you do before you ever start a class? I would highly recommend coming out, watching a class, just watch it. Because if right away you notice that the environment is toxic or, you know, uh, they're, they're mean to each other, they're rude to each other in the, you know, not, not like in a banter, but they're just mean and, and it's crossing lines and stuff. Then you don't waste your time. You just don't show up. Is there like a fine line between, you have schools of mind where people are like very tough on their students or it's almost like a wrestling mentality or like a high school sports mentality where I'm going to try to like push you hard and that's how I'll get the best of you. How do you know when it's going from that to just being like over the top mean and um, uh, what's the end goal? Right. For the individual? No, the individual has to ask that question. Mm. What What is the end goal? Right. So if you're let's say you're 30 years old you walk into the school you don't know anybody you've never done martial arts and they're chewing your ass out for <coughs> everything that you do wrong they're on, on you for everything that you're not doing right they're not necessarily being helpful it's just to criticize and to criticize what is the end goal there you know um now if they're being hard on you because they can they believe you can do better you won't take it as criticism you know you, you'll take it as I need to get better versus these people are just kind of bullying me. They're just being mean to me. So look at the end, end goal. You know, are they being mean for the sake of being mean or are they being, you know, hard on you for the sake of your improvement? But um, the reality is most schools, if most schools, if they're ran like a wrestling room, they don't survive. There's very few schools in the country 
to where you can run the school like a like a wrestling like a high school wrestling or college wrestling club and um and have it survive because you you have to remember that let's say a high school wrestler there's several reasons why the high school wrestler is wrestling it could be because he's done it forever it could be because he's good at it and there's a scholarship involved maybe he wants to wrestle in in college and um they're paying to basically they're not paying to participate they're competing to be part of that group that could get a bigger benefit out of it right where in a school where in a jiu-jitsu school or an academy you know you're paying so you can learn something you're not competing to be there Mm. you see you're paying for a service at the end of the day and i hate to think of jiu-jitsu that way but we need to consider it a little there's there's a little bit of a service there there's a little bit of an exchange of goods you know and then and you've touched on that before as far as the difference between the dynamic between a student and their teacher in brazil and here where here it is kind of like a service transition transaction of goods brazil it's more of a your mentorship yeah yeah so in brazil the schools can be ran a whole lot harsher. They can be ran um, a whole lot more like a wrestling class, because the students that are there, they they're they're vying for that you know approval and improvement in front of their instructor. Where here in America, generally speaking, it's an exchange. It's a, you know, mm-hmm. there's always an exception, but sure. Um, generally speaking, the schools that can run a little bit more on the wrestling side of things tend to be the schools that are known for a competitive team um and i'm not talking about like like your local competitive team i'm talking about like your your world players you know like your autos your um check mat and and so on all right so someone's in their first class and then you're sitting there class starts you start technique it's easy to get flustered and be overwhelmed as you start to watch the first techniques of your jujitsu career what do uh what, what's the mindset you should have when you're in your first class and seeing these very foreign things for the the first time that you don't know anything you're there to learn if you already knew what you're supposed to be doing you wouldn't be at a school learning right so um i think that's a big big issue that people have on a personal level is they come in to jiu-jitsu for whatever reason thinking that they're going to be good at it that'd be like me like I've never played football that'd be like me you know walking into like a high school football team and thinking hey I'm I'm big you know I'm I'm, I'm pretty athletic for my size I can probably play football pretty easy like I don't even know the rules you see what I'm saying like that'd be so dumb to say but how many downs do you get in football I didn't even know you got a down so (laughs) okay all right sorry go (laughs) um so how could I do well right and, and when, I, when I use the example like the football, that people are just like, well, that's kind of dumb. Like, you're never going to be good at football if you don't even know the rules. But why is that when you walk into jiu-jitsu, which is the super foreign martial art, you think, I'm going to be a rock star at this. You don't even know what this is yet, you know? I so. think a big part of it, too, is it's a... You're, you're learning something that involves getting so much closer to someone than you ever are in any t- other time of your life. Absolutely. Other than an intimate moment. <laughs> yeah. Once people start rolling in their first class, it's always weird. What, what, what do you tell people when they're, they say, what do I, like, what, what should I try to do? Because that's always what someone says when they have never grappled. They go, yeah, where? Just, you just tell them to grapple. They're like, okay and they right but they don't know mm-hmm. right they don't know how to grapple they don't know what to do you know and that's why there's certain schools like like Hedon and Henner's where they kind of restrict um, sparring you know so or there's other people that I know that will say oh you can't roll for the first six months that you're there and and, and that's one <coughs> way to eliminate the problem is you just say you just you're not rolling like you're not allowed until you've been here for so long mm-hmm. but I do see a value in going and grappling right away even if you don't know what you're doing the value is not necessarily to show you that you can win or show you that you can lose or showing you what you do or don't know the value is in developing a feeling on how to move in grappling you know and 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 how tiring it is and what works what doesn't work what feels natural for you you know And, and i think a lot of that feeling comes 
comes most naturally when you don't know anything. You're not biased. Mm-hmm. Imagine this if you come to class and I'm just teaching bottom half and you've never learned anything and that's the first thing you're exposed to. That's going to be the only thing you do, even though it may be more natural for you to be in a top position. If you're, you know, if you're naturally a top person, but you don't, you will never find that out now. You've been biased. What should be the goal of someone in their first, second, third class? Just to just to absorb as much as they can from, you know, mat etiquette to the class format to what the techniques entail to how the instruction is provided um, to understanding how it, it, the technique should be applied to feel how technique should be applied to understand like if when it comes to sparring if you spar you know what are they doing to you how is it working asking the right questions being open-minded you know that that that's the goal if you can do those things you'll be well in your way and then they finish up class you you, they walk out to their car they they sob uncontrollably how many classes do you think it takes until you should start the sobbing should like sub subside and well, hopefully you're not sobbing but um it takes 33 days consecutive days to build a habit okay most people are not going to train 33 days in a row especially if they're new to it they're going to get sore and tired and you burn out that way so um i would say for most people if they do an average of three times a week which is fairly manageable physically speaking um within four to five weeks they're hooked so why am i still crying I, it's a problem. We've been meaning to talk to you about it. It gets awkward when everybody else is leaving and we hear you from outside of your car. I thought the music yeah, was like loud a, enough. Like, like an ugly crier snot comes out. It's super strange. My windows are tinted. I didn't think you guys could see that. Oh, they're not tinted enough. Okay, well, uh, all right. Well, hopefully you guys aren't like me and, and your, cla- your first classes are going better. All right, we're going to go scenario two. You're training with an upper belt. You're rolling around. Okay. Feeling good. Everything's mm-hmm. going well. And then you tap them. Okay. Oh, oh no. You tap them. You see and you can sense that they get very angry. Okay. And they they act like you've done something wrong. Okay. You finish the roll and then they just kind of storm off. Okay. Have you done anything wrong there? No, they should eat shit though. Yeah. It, if if that happens, what's is there anything? Would you, do you address it as, as the lower belt? Do you walk up and say, hey, is everything okay? Or do you just let them deal with that? No, I, I, I walk up to them, ask them if they're okay. There could always be an incident of an injury. We don't know what happened, you know, from the outside. And if the white belt says, well, I don't know, everything seemed okay. And, and then he, he got upset. I tapped him or something along those lines. Then I would tell the white belt that it's not his problem. You know, that they shouldn't be concerned. It's not a big deal. And then I would go find the color belt and chew his ass out. Do you get much of that? I, I don't see it at our school much. I Have you no. seen it a lot in the past? Wait, I mean, I've snuffed it out, you know, like I've, I've gotten rid of it in our school. I don't tolerate that behavior. I think, I think, uh, anybody can tap anybody else. A brand new white belt can tap the, you know, the, the darkest black belt out there. It won't matter. You know, jujitsu is perfect. It works on everyone and for everyone. So if somebody applies the perfect technique and you didn't defend, you're going to tap or something's going to break or you're going to go to sleep. Like nobody's immune to jujitsu. There's no such thing as, you know, being impervious to, to jujitsu. So if usually when people get, have that kind of mentality, it comes from, sadly, it usually comes from the top. The, the instruction is passed down that way, you know, like that you shouldn't tap lower belts, that you need to be better, stronger, faster. Um, and I think that in our school, we do a really good job of telling people to embrace those losses and try to understand why they lost and see it as an opportunity for, for improvement, for growth. Um, and I think that's ingrained enough in our culture now at our school that we don't get as many of those people because they don't tend to last. You know, they get weeded out fairly quick. Um, those people that storm off are, are, that's when they lose. When they lose their cool, that's when they lose because at, at every time that you lose an exchange or you get caught in a submission, that's a, a very valuable piece of information that you could be absorbing. You know, there was a weakness in my game here. I shouldn't do this movement. I shouldn't, I should look for these things if I'm caught in this position. And you could grow from that behavior. You could look for ways to fix those issues. But when we, we lose our cool, we get upset, we take it personally, we leave, 
then we're refusing to take any good out of that position, you know, out of that situation. Scenario three. Uh, you produce a podcast with your friend and <laughs> you feel that he or she uh, or she isn't living up to their true entertainment potential. Uh-huh. Um, what do you, you know, that's too specific. Let's go on to another one. Uh, scenario four. I mean, no, let's go back to three. That could be good. Uh, you want to get, okay. So yeah, <laughs> y- y- you have this, this, this friend, um, theoretically he or she, and you can see this theatrical bone in their body and you try to siphon it out but there's just a wall there what's the best way to help them open <laughs> um i don't want to tell you well you wanted to do this scenario it's no longer interesting to me <laughs> no. what what other direction could it, could it have possibly gone Oh, I, I thought you were looking for advice on, you know, doing your stand-up comedy routine that, that I know you've been working on and so on. Yeah, well, I mean, th- that too, but also, uh, no, I mean, not me. This is this is, this is is uh, just a scenario with someone else. Um, right, your friend. I don't even know the person. Oh, okay. Uh, but you, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, scenario four, you're training for competition. Okay. And you have, you're trying to figure out the best way to train, and you have camps telling you different things you have some people telling you you need to start practicing your jujitsu but you need to get your conditioning down you need to start working out you need to get stronger and then you have other people who'll just say just just roll just do jujitsu that's that's all you need to worry about okay. where where on the spectrum do you fall me personally or mm-hmm. um I, I when i used to compete um i always made sure i was in really good shape um i think it is important to be able to move your body how you want it to be moved for as long as you need to at, an, at a pace and intensity that you needed to be at it also um being in good shape you know will help you prevent injuries um heal faster and so on but at the end of the day i was never a guy who drilled forever um it gets monotonous I've done it. It's not super fun. Uh, I rather spend a lot of time live rolling, um, but definitely we can't can't neglect the physical side of things. Could someone purely, if they want, I mean, d- does it hurt to just only drill and only do jujitsu, not worry about any of the conditioning? Um, it, do- it doesn't. It, only drilling could be a problem. Now, if you're drilling, you're rolling, and you're practicing classes and stuff, that's different. Um, I think that there's plenty of proof on both sides of, of the, both ends of the spectrum to where you can be successful. You know, you have a lot of schools that adopt the, the drill to win mentality where you do the same technique a thousand times and they go out there and they're very successful. There's also plenty of successful competitors and schools that believe that to be good at jiu-jitsu, you just have to do jiu-jitsu. <laughs> You know, you have to to roll more and get in there and kind of feel the opponent, feel the 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 energy of the fight. Who are also very successful. And then there's always the people that are just you know animals. Like they work out all the time. They're built. They're super strong, great shape, and and have decent enough technique to get by. So I mean, you can be successful in a number of different ways. Personally, I think the the greatest beauty of jujitsu is that. With good jiu-jitsu, you can outperform physicality, mm-hmm. you know? So I think energy is best spent, always best spent in developing and bettering techniques versus, you know, doing stupid shit. So let's say you go the route where you're doing a little conditioning and you also are rolling and drilling. You get to competition, you're in the locker room practicing, a guy walks up to you, bald guy, dark, round sunglasses, says, hey, you should try this. And he pulls out a syringe. It's bright green liquid. It has mm-hmm. a spider on it. Okay. What do you do? <laughs> I don't believe in steroids. So you say no? Yeah. It wasn't steroids. It's was a spider serum. You were going to have the power of Spider-Man. No. Oh. Not anymore. Clearly. <laughs> All right. Well, you lost out on that opportunity. Okay. We're going to hop over to some listener emails. Okay. <laughs> We're opening the listener email bag. What are we going to find? You dirty old hag. There we go. Wow. That's getting better, I think. You like that one? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it's improvements. Okay. In the right direction. <laughs> so if, all right, so if it's better and you don't like it, you hated the other ones. This one, would you say you don't like it? 
or you it's like you could maybe if it was on spotify you might listen to it for a second no no i wouldn't download it to listen on spotify i think i think at best is tolerable okay i can live with that okay this first email is from mark Mark says, Hi guys, I have been training for about a year. I have come to admire the style and man known as Marcelo Garcia. We both have very similar body types, short with huge ass calves. How do you feel about white belts learning X-Guard? I know in one podcast it was discouraged. I spent six months studying this and am starting to get more proficient in it. I can sweep all the whites in my gym uh, using X-Guard and have managed to get some colored belts in the position, albeit just getting to position albeit just getting to position, then failing to sweep. It feels very natural to me, and I've started to chain together butterfly and single leg X. You uh, you have a <laughs> kind of a uh, cheeky smirk on your face. What's, uh, oh what's my going God. through I mean, I think if you could have heard my eye rolling through the mic, people <laughs> might quit listening. Um, what are you rolling your eyes at? So I don't know who this guy is, and, I'm, and like I said, he... You can he can choose to take offense, and, and we may lose a listener over it, or he may look at it as criticism. Being a white belt, that one compares himself to Marcelo Garcia, or even his body type, is already absurd. Uh, there's a reason why Marcelo is Marcelo. It's because there's very few of him in the world. Two. Okay, hold on a second. He says. I'm going to defend Mark here. Okay. okay. Oh, We're in name? court right now. Okay. You're right. wearing the purple tie and the purple <laughs> At this stage, uh, I could wear a white shirt it. and be good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm stepping up saying, Your Honor, my defendant did not say that he's like Marcelo Garcia in style and stature and, 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 and talent. He simply said that he admires him because they have similar body types. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Same difference. Second, you know, as a white belt, you should not be working on butterfly. You should not be working on X guard. You should not be working on single leg X because fundamentally speaking, you might not even be aware of your lefts and rights yet. Um, and it sounds rough, but you know, the, the reality is there's a lot of moving parts to advanced guards you know, it's not just, it's not a static position that you can develop attacks from. It's one that's very dynamic. All of those guards are very dynamic. Like I said, lots of moving parts, lots of things to keep in mind. Um, and, and it's not something that a white belt is even remotely aware of comprehending. Um, now, you know, and then again, I hate when people brag, you know, to justify a behavior, you know, so, oh, I can sweep most white belts in my school. That's like being a tallest midget in the circus. I mean, that, that does nothing for me. You know what I mean? Because you, you could say, hey, I'm sweeping most purple belts at my school. I still wouldn't think you're amazing. If anything, I would think that the purple belts at your school are just horrible. You know? It'd be like saying, uh, we want to have the most uh, jujitsu podcast. We want to have the most listeners for a jujitsu podcast. It's, yeah. it's a very small pool already. Yeah, compared I mean, to- yeah, I mean, like, you know, so it's one of those things where um, don't, don't ever tell your instructor or come to your instructor with, with that kind of mentality or behavior because 99.99% of them are going to beat you down like the hand of God for saying things like that. Um, no, sweeping white belts should not be something you're proud of. It doesn't mean much. You know, white belts will trip over their own feet. But there could there could be the being proud of that, but it also could be measuring your... Uh, your progress with that. Maybe at first white belts, even white belts could shut down. You're even attempting it. Right. Then you start to hit it on them. And that's fair. And then maybe you go, all right, I'm going to try it on the blue belts. Right. And, and, and that's fair. That's a fair argument. But the, the counter argument to that is, so you spent six months developing a mildly successful X guard on white belts where you could have spent six months developing a decently effective close guard or half guard against white belts you see what i'm saying like the it's it's kind of like when you play a video game you can go through the easy areas and level up as the game levels up or you can say hey i'm just going to skip to the harder areas and i'm going to die a lot i'm going to fail a lot 
but I will also when I hit these sweeps or these things on these much tougher opponents, then 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 the rest of the game is extra easy. That's a fair argument, but the reality is you'll get much further faster working your way up the ladder versus trying to skip, you know, certain techniques. Okay. I mean, so as an example, in our YBL course, I'll show you guys, I show you guys, I show the, the students an underhook escape from half, right? So we talked about how, how does that work from half? We talked about blocking the bicep, blocking the shoulder, getting, um, trapping their leg with our outside leg, getting the inside leg to frame the hip. Then we turn our hips, free the leg, get close guard. And that's very simple. You you understood that as a white belt. You were probably able to pull that off as a white belt. Now you look at the advanced class. We're finally getting to our half butterfly series, right? Mm. We are essentially doing the same steps, but that outside leg that came over the top has a whole different function and purpose now. You know, the same thing with our inside leg coming in has a whole different function and purpose. Would you physically be able to do those things when you're a white belt? Absolutely. Physically speaking, you could, but you wouldn't be able to understand the value of it. Right. You wouldn't be able to comprehend why we're doing the things we're doing. You wouldn't, you basically, you'd be a parrot. You'd be able to repeat things that you've heard, but not understand what you're saying. Okay. So do you want to say something positive about Mark? I like the enthusiasm. Okay, cool. Cool. That's it. You like the name Mark? Sure. Would you ever name a kid Mark? No. Would you ever wear a t-shirt that said Mark? Maybe. That's kind of a weird question. <laughs> I just wanted to see the reaction I'd get. No. Uh, and I don't think you've ever made that face before, so it was yeah. good. Okay, this one's from Quentin. He says, hey guys, I had a question about being a wrestler trans- transitioning to jiu-jitsu. I've been training for just over a month formally, but I've done no gi for fun in the past. My struggle is I find myself resorting to my wrestling that I've known my whole life rather than attempting things I'm learning when live rolling. Will this go away with time, or is there something I should be doing differently to change it? That's it. That's it. Okay. All right. So, um, so you see, like it's a whole different attitude on this email, right? He's looking to advice to improve, which is great. So generally speaking, there's two types of wrestlers in jujitsu: um, the short-term wrestler and the long-term wrestler. And what I mean by that is there are wrestlers that have wrestled at probably as this guy has vast majority of his life. They come into jujitsu and then their wrestling absolutely does not work as intended. They may get on top, but they're getting tapped or submitted and, and it's not fun. They quit. Short-term wrestler who cannot assimilate jujitsu techniques into his arsenal or does not know how to mold his wrestling for jujitsu. And then you have the the long-time wrestlers like the the Dr. House, you know, who have wrestled their entire lives. They come into jujitsu and they see it as a as a great complement to their wrestling, you know. And and I think to answer his question, his question being, is this going to go away? me resorting to my wrestling that's completely up to him right it's human nature and human instinct to do the things that we like to do and generally speaking those things are the things that we feel are we're good at um because it, it feels good you know you you do something somebody says hey that was good good job you're like oh great you like that feeling and you repeat it you know and it becomes this it becomes the cause of you being good at that hobby or whatever that is right um and then you come into a hobby that's similar to jiu-jitsu something that's similar to what you've you've known and you struggle right and it's much more fun to rely on the things that you know are good because you've done it forever the problem with relying on your wrestling if you're new to jiu-jitsu is that it stunts your growth Right. If you're only doing the things that you know in wrestling, then you're not adding anything to your game. You're just wrestling a jiu-jitsu guy. So I think the the best advice is to be self-aware and to try to trust jiu-jitsu like you trust wrestling, even though you don't have the experience to back it up. That's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to try jiu-jitsu and do jiu-jitsu techniques in class and fail. And it's okay to fail knowing that you could have been successful if you stuck to your wrestling. Um, because just remember when you're training at the gym, you're not competing with your teammates, they're your teammates. 
you know the the common goal should always be to improve in the entire class and if you're going in there and you get upset that somebody got the be- the better of you then there, there's a problem you know now when you compete rely on your a game and if your a game is very wrestling based <coughs> so be it you know but when you're training especially like at your own school no like try to develop the, try to develop the same relationship you have with wrestling with jiu-jitsu well said the last thing we're going to do here is we're going to do a quick trivia game Oh, Don't worry, there are prizes. There's a prize. A prize. Eh, kind of prizes. Uh, so, if I'm just gonna ask you three questions, each answer you get right will give you a pass for the any time you can use it at your discretion. When I say we're gonna play D and D. Okay. So I the net when I say all right we're doing D and D you can use your pass and it's passed to the next week. You only get okay however many answers you get right. Just three questions. First one, can you name two sponsors that we had in the early days? Two quote unquote sponsors. We had uh, Slap Bump and Fist with Eddie. No, 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 no. All right, let me let me uh, let me correct this or let me clarify. These aren't sponsors that we ever really got anything from. They are sponsors that I, I touted, and yeah, I guess I better come clean. They never actually contacted me. Oh, they're large companies. Oh, okay. Um, do, do you remember some some of these that I told you about? You got really excited, but I have to be honest, they they never contacted me. <laughs> no, I don't think I remember that. Okay, you don't remember us me talking about an intent like a Nintendo sponsorship? Or? Oh, I remember that now. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember any other ones? No. There's Nintendo. There's Lip Smackers, Chapstick. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is Lip Smackers? You don't, you don't remember the flavor <laughs> Chapsticks? Oh, that's right. I remember you saying that. There's like a kid or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh-huh. I can't remember if I said Sesame Street sponsored us once. Uh, I don't know. They didn't, though. I'm sorry for saying so that. So you don't even know the answers to these questions? <laughs> That's a good start. Okay. Well, here's uh, if, you said, <laughs> if you said them, I would have remembered them. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, so you didn't get a pass there. What's the name of the lizard people in our fantasy role-playing game? Oh, shit. <laughs> Isn't it like, like, I think it's a like Glackar? Geckler? There you go. Okay. Geckler. Right. Well done. All right. You know, I'm going to add that to my 2020 successes. Singe my memory. Singe that memory off my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to add that to my to my 2020 successes uh-huh. getting you to remember the Geckler. And last, when's my birthday? Your birthday? Yep. Ooh, off the top of my head. Damn. Um It's early it's springtime. I want to say like March. Yes. I want to say like I know it's not the 11th. Nope. Oh, fuck. It's in the teens, though, I think. Nope. No? Dang. It has to be in a single... If it's, it's not in the 20s, so it has to be in the single digits. I don't know. Find out. You can't do that. You just... <laughs> you're just, you're just, you're just, you're just going to have to guess now. Oh. March... Seventh. Oh, it was, it's the fourth. Fourth. Okay. Sorry, man. You almost had two passes. Oh, dang. You just get one. All right. <sighs> well, everyone, that was the first. I feel like an asshole now. First year anniversary. <laughs> Yours is April 14th. Yeah. Don't feel bad. I looked it up on Facebook before doing oh, this. Oh, okay. Because I thought you may say, in defense, yeah. what's mine? Right. And I was ready to shoot that back right in your face. Oh, so you didn't know like mine Like a either. friend would do. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you didn't know mine either. Yeah. <laughs> We're I, such great friends. I, I, was like, I, I was like, I know it's April because he's a Aries. Yeah. That's how we're going to end this one. Oh, God damn it. It's been a while since we went to our... Oh, Cafe Astrology was another sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry, Cafe Astrology. This one-year anniversary horoscope is brought to you by CafeAstrology.com. Croyler and I have used Cafe Astrology for the last 10 years. We have. Yeah, we... we, uh, This is how we met, and it's, it's just really been the base to a fruitful friendship, a, a good professional career for both of us, and just a better life in general. I, I don't I don't endorse this message. Okay, here we go. There is a fresh feeling to the day, dear Aries. The moon's entry into your sign brings a rush of energy to your life and a desire to begin anew. That sounds really sexual. To start a new project 
or enjoy a new experience. You're starting a new school. Oh my God, this is just spot on. Have you ever heard of a self-fulfilling prophecy? No, never heard of them. So then it says, (laughs) while emotions are strong and clear, desires are a bit harder to decipher today. Your ruler, Mars... Did you know Mars was your ruler? No. Is in your adventure sector these days. And this helps boost your energy. So does the moon moving into your sign, it says. You're turning a corner with energy and confidence, still with Mars forming a minor challenging aspect to Uranus today. (laughs) Okay. Watch for a temper or rebellious feelings that interfere with your goals. Restlessness can make it hard to see the, the opportunities available to you. Life smooths out as it advances. Okay. That's a good that's a good message for you going into the grand opening this weekend of your school, which when this comes out, it will have already opened. And so let's pretend like, oh my god, dude, that opening was wild. Can you believe how that that, that guy came in and took his shirt off and waved it around his head and then uh threw a, a bottle at you and you caught it? And then you threw it back at him, and it shattered in his head, and the cops came. But then Christopher... No, uh, who was it? Uh, John Goodman. John Goodman, what? I don't know. I, was just, I, I couldn't <laughs> remember who you said last time. Uh, uh, the Rock and the Rock, yes. Jeff Goldblum. Ah, that's that's. And who was. else did I say? Uh, oh, I think that was it. No. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yeah. They showed up, and we all just got really drunk we threw up on the mats you had to rip the mats out and get new mats uh, and they were already brand new it seems like it'd be much easier to just clean that up but that's okay no no man it was it was the best grand opening ever yeah i don't remember any of it apparently no well everyone thanks for thank you for one whole year and here's to another year as uh and hope it's as fun and informative as possible (laughs) do you want to say anything to close this out or should i just keep rambling no thanks for the listeners um thanks for you guys you know um no go ahead this is just a closing oh okay all right just thanks for listening you know it's you know andrew and i could have the same conversations without you guys listening to it but i think you guys can get as much out of it as as we do i think it's fun for both of us thank you everyone we're out